My birthday may still be a few days away, but I already got one of the greatest gifts of all. Another Friday the 13th, baby. Welcome to MediaPod Smash 165. Holy shit, I can't believe we're already that high. Um, today is going to be kind of a special episode because my birthday is coming up. So I brought a bunch of lists that are all about me. And it's going to be awesome because I love lists and I love me. So we're going to get into that very shortly. But first, a few announcements. Uh, I've got a new video out, which, speaking of Friday the 13th, is all about Friday the 13th. Specifically, the Nintendo version, which was kind of a pain, to be honest with you. If you don't know what you're doing, that is. I mean, um, Jason was very hardcore in that game, and... They don't really give you a lot of instructions, like a lot of Nintendo games. You kind of they just throw you in there, and you just have to learn as you go. And I guess as far as like movie games go, it really it wasn't that bad. Especially if you like look at the other horror games that were out on that system. Like they made a Nightmare on Elm Street game for Nintendo, and one of these days I'll probably cover that too. But uh, that game was pretty rough. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about like not following a plot very well. Well, I guess it sort of did, but sort of didn't at the same time. I mean, you're collecting bones. And I guess I know that was a plot point in the movie, but it's just like it wasn't that major. <laughs> um, and even the movies themselves couldn't keep the continuity up. So I guess what can I expect from the game? But anyways, that, that video is out. It's called The Gaming Gauntlet, the first of many. My next gaming gauntlet I've decided is going to be roller games because I freaking love roller games, and I'm ready to challenge myself to that one. And if you're wondering what the premise is of these gaming gauntlets, I should probably explain that too. I give myself an hour to get as far as possible in an old-school Nintendo game or might be some other old school game but i'm mostly going to be focusing on nintendo stuff and uh i got some suggestions early on so i've got a list kind of of what i'd like to do for the next few months of episodes and yeah i'm really looking forward to it we've been really branching out and doing some different stuff and you know like we talked about last week just trying different things and experimenting and seeing what happens and, and growing. So, and plus, I love video games. And if I can turn that into content, that is awesome. <laughs> so, please check that video out if you'd like to see me rage at Friday the 13th for Nintendo. There's also some shorts that I posted. I did a few more NECA capsules. <laughs> I did the uh, Universal Monsters one. And I'm really starting to realize that it's all the same shit. <laughs> I mean, I really thought there might be like some chase stuff. Maybe there is, but I haven't seen anything different. It's all shoelaces, pins, stickers, and shitty erasers. But I mean, it's cool. There's some cool stuff. I got a cool Dracula band, actually, and a cool... Um, I really like the sticker that came with this set. But for the most part... It's, you might as well be putting $10 in a garbage can. <laughs> but luckily, you don't have to worry about buying them yourselves because you can see what is in there in my videos. And if you reach out to me and see something you like, 
I could probably give it to you, unless it's the bands, because I'm probably going to keep those bands. They're pretty sweet. And the cool sticker that I just mentioned. <laughs> but that's a, how's that for a giveaway? Media Pod Smash NECA Capsules. First come, first served. <laughs> so there's also a short that I just made today about my fav- some of my favorite pop figs. I've got a pretty extensive collection, and I... My friend Garrett turned me on to this app where you can scan them. Actually, I kind of knew about this app already, but it sort of like just slipped my mind, and he reminded me of this app. And so I went through and scanned all my pops today, and man, if those values that they list are actually legit, I'm looking at some decent stuff here. And so I was pretty inspired, and I made this list not really list like you can actually see them (laughs) and um yeah there's some rare ones in there there's some of my favorite horror ones some of my favorite marvel ones and so on and so forth i might be doing another one of those in the future because i've got a lot and there's a lot of good ones so and i like to recycle content so look forward to that but also please check out the stuff that is available Even if you don't want to watch it all the way through, just give me a view. I would be really appreciative of that. And while you're at it, subscribe, because that helps. It helps me get in the algo rhythm, I think. Maybe. I don't know. It's a very curious thing to me sometimes. But it makes me feel good. So either way, you're helping me. And uh, that's the end of the announcements, except wait a minute, I've got one more that just snuck up on me here, because it's sort of an amendment to something I started talking about last week, but I kind of just kept rambling, and I realized that I never even said what it was that I was working on, so I've got a bigger video coming out that I promised would be coming out that week. But it's not. It's actually coming out later. It's I'm still working on it because I got inspired to do some of this other stuff. And I wanted to have the Friday the 13th video ready by the 13th. So I sort of shifted focus. But the video that is coming out soon, very soon, is my ranking of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Originally, I promised it last year. And then I promised it again in my last week's episode, and now I'm promising it for a third time in this week's episode, and still maybe this month, because there's a lot of time left in this month, and all I know is that it will be out, and now let's get into the meat of the show. So like I mentioned, it's all about stuff I like, and it's all about lists, because lists are kind of an easy thing to do when you're trying to come up with content for a show especially if you're riding solo it's it's good filler but not like bad filler it's like like good filler like filler in a way that like is still engaging and and yeah so let's before i continue to ramble on let me get into my first list and since we've been on the Friday the 13th train we'll continue that with my top five jasons Jason! 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 So, this is not exactly like my favorite Jason films, because I did that already in a video. This is just like my actual favorite Jasons. Jasons that have existed throughout all of the realm of the franchise. So not just in movies as there are some other things here. So let's get into it. Number five is the Savini Jason from the most recent Friday the 13th game. So this was a game that came out on the PC a few years back, and you could tell it was made with a lot of love. I mean, the people were obviously big fans of the franchise. All the locations that you know and love are in there as maps, and... It's uh, kind of like that Dead by Daylight game where you have Jason, so one person gets to be the killer, and then the rest are 
people on the map, the counselors, that are trying to survive and escape and try to, you know, by doing various things. Like they try to, you can repair the phone box and, and call the police and escape that way. You could call Tommy Jarvis to come, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> you can just try to survive until the countdown takes ticks off. Um, you could try to kill Jason, which is, I don't think I've ever seen done in any of the games that I've been in, but I've seen videos, and that's pretty cool. So it's a great multiplayer game, but they sort of stopped giving it updates because there was this whole rights battle and I don't know it's a shame because I think it could have been even bigger than it is or I mean was I don't know if it's really big now but there were a few there were a couple of years there where my friend Ryan and I really had a pretty good time with it so and they did for what it's worth they tried to add a single player experience to it eventually where you could do like different scenarios as Jason, or I think even as the counselors. And yeah, I don't know. It was okay, but man, what could have been, what could have been. And now I think those guys have just moved on to a different franchise. And I think they are doing a Texas Chainsaw game, which is either coming out very soon or like might be out already. It just says coming soon. On Steam, so looks awesome though. Holy crap! I want to play this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so this this Jason, the Savini Jason from this game, is it's got like a flamey mask. It looks like Jason basically has come back from hell, and uh, it was designed by the very iconic. Tom Savini, who did the makeup in the first film, and I and I think he came back for the fourth one. Just really great makeup artist. This was originally a pre-order bonus for the Kickstarter people, but then it became available as a purchase later as a DLC. So really cool looking Jason. Number four is part two Jason, the sack over the head Jason. He's you know, kind of clumsy, but I mean, and kind of stupid because he's only got the one hole and like he tried to make the other one, but it didn't quite work. And it's kind of silly, but it's very memorable because it's not a mask. So it's the one that you kind of look back on and you're like, oh yeah, that, that did happen. And um, it was pretty interesting. So number three, part eight, Jason. So not a great movie by any stretch, but it is Kane Hodder. It's a very beefy Jason and a Jason who has gone through some shit. And really, Kane Hodder is awesome. I mean, I'm not going out on a limb here by saying that, but he brought a lot of energy to this. and Very intimidating Jason, so that's why it's deserving of a place here on my list. Number two, 8-Bit Jason, which you can see in the NES game. And if you want to see it in one of my videos, you could watch the Gaming Gauntlet on my YouTube channel. <laughs> so 8-Bit Jason is pretty interesting because he's, like, blue and purple. <laughs> I don't know why they decided to go with those colors, but... It became sort of like a big meme in like a big fan sort of like joke. And I actually went as 8-Bit Jason to last year's ASIN. So very cool, very funny, and very memorable. And finally, number one is Jason from Part 3. This is about the most normal-ish looking Jason of them all. It's the very first time he gets the mask. It's There's not a lot of damage done to the Jason at this point. I mean, really no damage. He's very slim and streamlined. And whenever I conjure up an image of Jason in my head, this is the Jason that I see. 
And it helps that part three is one of my favorite Jason films. So, all right, let's move on to the next list because we've got a lot to go. Next is my top five 90s Nickelodeon shows. Number five is Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I had to put this on here. It's it's a pretty cheesy show. I mean, if you go back and watch it now, it's like, wow. We watched this <laughs> and got scared by it because I, I remember actually getting scared by some scenes and especially the intro that music and and the clown and just that swing and the, the, the lightning oh man um but i it's a very iconic show and it, it influenced me I, I don't think i would be quite the horror fan that i am now if i wasn't as heavily involved with watching this show and i remember it very clearly like it came on it was like the big orange couch on saturday nights and like what a great primetime show for a kid like it was something to really get jacked about like <laughs> I, I i can't say enough about it and it's only on the number it's number 5 so imagine how much more shit that's going to excite me soon. <laughs> um, really, all the Nickelodeon stuff, <clears throat> it's kind of crazy. Like, it's just this, like, talking about this could have sound so stupid, but, like, it makes me a little emotional because it was such a big part of my childhood. And um, those were some of the best times. Um, so let's move on to number four. Well, we're still getting into this wave of nostalgia. Next, number four is... Keaton and Kel. It was a live action spinoff from all that featuring Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell. And what a great comedy duo. I mean, they were, I mean, this show holds up and these guys had perfect chemistry. They like Kel had such great big energy and then you had Keenan who was sort of like the straight man and always like kind of just going along for the ride and you know throwing his hands up and being like okay I guess we're doing this again or I think he even had like a catchphrase like that it was like oh here we go maybe something like that but I mean awesome just awesome like the 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 scenarios that happened, the like, Kel fucking Mitchell, man. I he's so underrated as a co- comedic actor, and I wish he could have been in more stuff. The level of like dedication and, and like how he just brought it every time, it was f- really funny. Um, and I heard they're doing another good burger, so that's pretty sweet, but yeah, Keenan and Kel, if you can seek this out and if you haven't seen it, like. It still holds up, like I said. It's really funny. One of my favorite episodes is uh, when they find the, like, Cal finds the screw in the tuna or Keenan finds it and, like, they, they, <laughs> they're, like, just about to, like, get, like, some big settlement or something from it. But, like, Cal breaks down at the end because, like, he's the one that put it in there. You find out, and, like, he can't contain himself, and he just has this big, like, break. Like, I put the screw in the tuna. <laughs> and, um, my God, like, just, it's awesome. So, next is Ren and Stimpy. I did a capsule opening of this, and although when the show came out, I wasn't like, I mean, I was. But maybe a lot of it went over my head. I just remember it like being this odd, weird thing that came on during a time, like a lineup where there was a lot of all their wholesome things. And all of a sudden you had like this dude selling rubber nipples and like asses and (laughs) getting as close to swearing as you could. And I'm sure this show definitely influenced me. And I don't think we're supposed to praise this show too much because John Kay is, uh, I guess, kind of an asshole. But you got to separate the art from the artist sometimes. And you can't say this is not an iconic show that influenced a lot of stuff that we see, like on Adult Swim and 
really like web series and, and just all sorts of different dark animation. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry for listing this. Please don't come after me. Uh, but it also, I mean, okay, like the rage. <laughs> you want to talk about like great acting moments, like Ren and Stimpy just going at each other. Like the, uh, just, just check it out if you haven't seen it and you'll see what I mean. Number two, Rocco's Modern Life. So this is another show that really heavily influenced me and my humor and lots of innuendos. This was sort of like near the end, I think, of of like sort of the big 90s boom of, of the Nickelodeon stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you had a lot of great characters. Again, Rocco was this just normal guy basic not guy normal wallaby <laughs> but you know he's the normal dude and trying to just do like live his normal life but he's got all these crazy ass people around him and all this crazy stuff happening and i think this is another show that really influenced a lot of stuff that you see like a lot of adult animation that you see and um really interesting art style uh a lot of stuff that again went over my head, but I definitely understand now, and it holds up. And it's a fun theme song too. And speaking of fun theme songs, and if you heard that pencil, that was me throwing my pencil in excitement. <laughs> uh, speaking of fun theme songs, my number one pick here is Kablam! So, my freaking god, this is a great show. You had that ska intro, which probably introduced me to ska for the first time you had this cool like comic style like transition you had two animated hosts which was really unique henry and june and they always were breaking the fourth wall and like acting like they were presenting us the show but like they were they were had they were in the show (laughs) like they were part of it (laughs) and like a lot of cool like they had a great stop motion thing with um <laughs> a caveman and an alien, Prometheus and Bob. <laughs> Dude, there was no, there was really no like dialogue in that, and somehow they managed to do so many great sight gags and and such a sh- like. Oh my god! I just, it's hard to articulate and explain how great all this shit was. Um, Prometheus and Bob was probably my favorite though. That was like a great one. Um, because Bob was the dumb caveman. He just never got it. And the alien was always getting pissed. And he couldn't, like, <laughs> he couldn't teach him anything. <laughs> um, then you had another sort of stop motion thing, which was uh, Action League Now. That was probably my second favorite. Because you had a cast of really wacko characters that were all sort of based on real action figures in a way. Um and they were always going on misadventures. And then there was a lot of different animation stuff, which not quite as memorable in my opinion, but still some pretty interesting things. So, Kablam, you're always going to have a place in my heart. But let's be honest, basically every 90s Nick show is always going to have a huge place in my heart. Because that's just the kind of person I am, and I think most millennials sort of agree with me. Um, it was a golden age, even though everyone from their own generation claims that their stuff is the golden age, and I realize that. But I only have to—I only have like what I have to compare. I mean, I can't help that I was born in '91. Um, all right, so. Next list, let's move on to this before I ramble too much about the 90s. My top five N64 games. Again, this is more about my childhood. I sat down and played a lot of N64 as a child. It was probably pretty close to that kid that appeared in the meme. (laughs) It was freaking out during Christmas and, you know, getting excited about the N64. I'm sure you've seen it. It's like, it's been everywhere. That was pretty close. I actually remember getting my first N64 for Easter. 
because I was pretty spoiled. So we got some pretty big shit for <laughs> small holidays. Um, but I got the, it was the lime green see-through one. Such a cool looking system. And uh, this was a pretty big innovation. It was a big jump for Nintendo. They went from still cartoonish looking graphics to 3D, essentially. I mean, these were... Um, blocky 3d games and some of them didn't really look so good and don't really hold up that well but some of them look pretty damn great and still look great and this was a hard list to compile because there's a lot of great titles on the n64 but i did my best and uh, i think if i could go back i it might change it could probably change like every time i do this but this is my list right here Number five is Goldeneye, and I'm sure a lot of people probably list that in their lists and maybe even put it closer to the number one spot, but it's it's fine. But multiplayer, of course, is the most memorable thing about it, but if you go back and play like some of the single-player stuff, it's, it can get a little glitchy and buggy at times, and it's a little repetitive and... Um, you know, there isn't, there's some things that kind of hold it back. But don't get me wrong, still still an awesome game. And they are going to be remastering it. And I heard a rumor that it's within the next couple of months that could be coming out and on Game Pass. So I'm pretty psyched about that. Um, so, all right. So number four is Banjo-Kazooie. Great platforming game. Another uh, rare game. And really rare dominated the uh this space. Like there was there's a ton of great rare shit. And most of my list, spoilers, is rare. Um But Banjo Kazooie basically pretty cartoonish game about a bird and a bear. Unlikely companions, but they all have they have their unique abilities and there was a lot of cool stuff on each world to find, like hidden things to collect. Gruntildo was the boss, very memorable character as well. It was a witch character who spoke in rhymes, <laughs> which was also pretty unique. And great soundtrack, lots of fun worlds to explore, and lots of great replayability. So... Number three, in the same vein, is DK64, which is basically Banjo-Kazooie, but with Donkey Kong characters. I mean, it's that's basically it. Uh, are the two, is there one that's better? I don't know. I think, I do remember having a lot of fun playing DK64, but it's very, it's hard to, like, play it again, because... They never really remastered it or put it back on anything, and I don't have the cartridge of that anymore. So I'd have to purchase it, and a lot of N64 shit's pretty pricey these days. And I suppose I could play it on an, an emulator, but uh, N64 emulators, I don't know. Like, mapping a controller to try to recreate the N64 experience, I, I find that difficult. So... Here's the hoping I can replay it again someday. And I remember it being a cool cartridge. I think it was yellow. So, and the reason why I just have, I mean, I remember Banjo-Kazooie a lot more is they did the Rare Replay, and before that it came out on, I think it was actually on 360. So, like, this game has been, like, reproduced quite a bit. And uh, there was also a sequel called Banjo-Tooie, and then again, when Microsoft bought Rare, they made Nuts and Bolts, which was a big fuck you to everyone that enjoyed the first two because it had nothing to do with those two games. So, all right. Number two is Perfect Dark. This game is like Goldeneye, but better. I gushed about this game, and I might have even put it on a, another list somewhere, because I remember talking about all this N64 stuff, actually, now that I'm, I'm talking about it now. But that's okay. It's okay to talk about stuff again, especially if you love it. Perfect Dark introduced us to so many great different things. You had 
a single player mode with three different levels of difficulty and different added objectives depending on the difficulty mode. A great story, which I think still would be an awesome movie. I mean, Joanna Dark is a great hero. There's a lot of cool shit, a lot of intrigue going on. It starts out kind of like your uh, your basic normal uh, spy story, but then it kind of goes into like this stuff with aliens and different creatures, and it's it's pretty wild actually. Um, it had other different modes, like a co-op mode. It had a counter-op mode, which was very unique, where one person got to be Joanna Dark going through the objectives, and uh, the other player was just a random NPC on the map that tried to stop her. I mean, that how cool is that? You, you really don't see that very often, even now. And um, they also had challenge modes against AI, which the AI was very ahead of its time in this game. Like the bots, there was all sorts of different traits that they had, and they really brought it. I mean, there's some challenges in that game that I still have not been able to complete. And uh, just talking about this makes me want to go play Perfect Dark. <laughs> and so, number one is Paper Mario. This I'm sure I mentioned also before, but Paper Mario is pretty darn close to a perfect RPG. They really kind of took what made the... Uh, is it the Legend of the Seven Stars? I don't know. There was a there was a Mario RPG, Super Mario RPG for Super Nintendo, which was a lot of fun. And I believe the very first time they tried doing this with a Mario game. And so they kind of took this and uh, they expanded upon that idea. And um, I mean, it's just they made it a really kind of a fun 2D style papery looking game and. A lot of fun humor, a lot of great worlds, lots of different secrets to find, great battles that actually mean something, unlike the newer Paper Mario games where you can do turn-based stuff and it doesn't give you experience. And it's like, why would you do this to us, guys? You know, the people that really like these games are old bastards <laughs> that liked the first one and the thousand year door was great too i mean that was a uh, basically a direct sequel of paper mario i mean it took all the elements of paper mario again and just made a bigger game but then for some reason so that's when things started to go wrong and uh their next one came out on wii which and didn't i don't think it had any rpg elements and then there was a couple other ones. There was some sticker bullshit. And there was a most, the most recent one which looked promising. I was actually really hyped for it because it looked like the two that I liked a lot. But I'd come to find out that the battles are meaningless. There's no experience. And why? Just why? But that's enough of a rant. I'm supposed to be talking about things that I love. So let's move on to my next list. So my next list is my top five favorite Bond themes. <laughs> I've always had a soft spot for Bond. I kind of grew up with this series, and obviously it was around a lot longer than me, but I discovered it through various different ways. Um, I think my first exposure was either Cable Marathon or I know I used to be like really big on going to video stores and looking at VHS box art and there were plenty of uh, Bond movies at our local video store to rent and they had some cool covers man I mean even the shitty Bond movies had great covers like it made you really want to dive in um, like he was always just doing something crazy <laughs> so um Let's get into the music. I also love music, so that's why I made this list. That's enough. That's that's why I'm explaining this. <laughs> so, number five. This is gonna be very controversial because I left probably a lot of like really good ones off the list, but I think I think this is a good list. So, number five is 
License to Kill by Gladys Knight. Uh, very like one of those songs that really builds up and has a really great hook, really powerful. <laughs> and uh, Lice is a Kill is an underrated movie. I love Timothy Dalton, and it was very brutal. I think it was the very first Bond movie to be rated PG 13. All the prior Bonds were just PG, if I'm not mistaken. Someone feel free to fact check me on that one. Um, Number four, little cheesy, but I don't care. View to a Kill by Duran Duran. from A View to a Kill. This was the Roger Moore era, really a goofy era, and this movie is no exception. It had Christopher Walken as the main villain and a lot of ridiculous stuff, like the the car that could go from water to land and the fight on the bridge. I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit. The horse, the whole thing about the horses. I mean, it is weird, but... Still one of my favorite Roger Moore movies. And this theme is, uh, it's very 80s. I mean, you could definitely tell it came out in 85. And um, very, like, synthy, very energetic. And if you're not singing along by the time they're singing that chorus, then I'm sorry, something's wrong with you. (laughs) Uh, Number three is You Know My Name by Chris Cornell. Six, the opening theme to Casino Royale. And I still remember seeing this movie for the first time in person, in theaters, in person, <laughs> as opposed to being a spirit and seeing the movie. And uh blew me away. This was a big comeback. I mean, it had been a pretty pretty big gap of time from this and the last one. And uh, you know, we didn't know what to expect. But it had that, I mean, talk about a great opening. You got the freaking parkour on the construction site. And it kind of lets you know everything is everything's going to be fine. Like, they got this. This franchise is in good hands. And uh, after that, you get this kick-ass song by Chris Cornell, R.I.P. And, um, I mean, great energy, lots of fun. Very repeatable, and uh, yeah, I mean, it just takes me back to watching this for the first time and just remember like that feeling. So, next is a classic Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey. Thank you. 
Did some other music for this franchise as well. Uh, 1964, same title, uh, Goldfinger. And uh, the movie itself, I mean, very iconic. I'm sure, and I mean, the theme is iconic, but everyone uh, is probably like has, has seen like either scenes from the movie or knows characters from this movie or has seen stuff parodied because. Uh, the very famous thing that I can think of right away is the laser, and um, I'm sure they did they did something with this in Austin Powers. But uh, you know, he says that line like, "No, Mister Bond, I expect you to die," and uh, you got odd job, of course. But really, I should be talking about the song. It's just it's a great freaking song. Uh, it's got the big orchestral, and. Uh, really gets you fired up for what you're about to watch. and That's really the job of all these songs, but some of them didn't do it so well. Uh, Sam Smith. <laughs> uh, but yes, this one, great song. Great, great song. <laughs> what else is there to say? And finally, number one. I'm going to be jumping on the bandwagon here, but it is a great song. Skyfall by Adele from the movie Skyfall. So not only was this a great movie, but again, great song, very powerful. Uh, Adele has got some fucking pipes, and she shows off those pipes in this song. And um, I love the incorporation of the theme in it. I love the kind of how it builds up, and it's just it, when you're done listening to this, you feel like you can run through a brick wall, or you feel like you're James Bond. <laughs> So there are a lot of other great Bond themes that I didn't put on this, but, I mean, there's 20-some movies. I can't – it's hard. It's hard to pick just five, but maybe I'll revisit this at some time and do more. But now we must move on to the next list. So my next list is my top five hobbies. <laughs> And this should come as no surprise, but my top five hobbies are number five, walking around. Mostly walking on my favorite sidewalk, but really walking around lots of places. Malls, Lake Geneva, different adventurous places that I've never been, like different small towns that have sh cool shops. Kind of like Lake Geneva. Um, targets. <laughs> Just walking around. Walking is good for you, if you didn't know. <laughs> Number four, Lego building. Lego building is a uh, very zen activity, and uh, I've come to realize it's also something that I can make videos about, so it's a fun hobby. <laughs> Number three, making lists. That one speaks for itself. Number two, Creative shit. And, uh, you know, all creative shit. Writing, making videos. Even got into rapping, but no one will probably ever hear that. <laughs> That's just from my Discord. Uh, and by mine, I mean my friend's Discord that I'm a part of. But it was just easier to say that at the time. Please forgive me. <laughs> Okay, next. Again, delirious here. We should keep. We should move through this really quickly at the end. Uh, and lastly, number one, video games. That should shock nobody. Lots of fun playing video games. I think the very first 
time I remember playing video games, I was just a wee child, maybe about three, I don't know, something like that. And I remember the difficulties of Nintendo and so on and so forth. There's just so, so many great games. All right. Number, well, next list, not number. <laughs> next list is my top five favorite foods. Number five, waffles and pancakes. I mean, that's a twofer, but they're kind of the same thing. If you got pancake mix, you got waffle mix, technically. And, uh, I mean, breakfast food in general is pretty dope, but I, if I had to just pick one, it would be waffles slash pancakes. Number four, popcorn of all types, but mostly what I like the most is that lightly salted Orville Redenbacher, but then you get, like, that oil topping from your local grocery store, even though it's very pricey and probably very bad for you, but it's the closest thing you could probably get to replicating the movie theater. All right, number three, Atkins bars, specifically the granola type. I really used to like the other kind that was, like, the big bulky peanut buttery one, but really has grown on me. I mean, grown old on me, and uh, the uh, granola bars is really where it's at, and They've become sort of like chase figs. I had I have a hard time hunting those down. <laughs> I have to venture out far now to find those. But damn, those are good. I really, I basically have those every day if I can, like one a day, which I don't know if it's that good for you, but uh, they're better than eating sugary bullshit. So, all right. Number two, pizza. Pizza of all types. I don't discriminate. Pizza's awesome. And that's really hard to disagree with. Everyone loves pizza. Well, most people love pizza. <laughs> a great pizza story that happened to me was I had some friends over for the Packer game, last Packer game of the season, which we won't get into. And, uh, well, they gave us the wrong pizza. But we called them, and we got... Not only the pizza that we ordered eventually, but we got to keep the pizza that they gave us, which is also a great pizza. And so it really worked out. <laughs> That's a great story that I plan on telling at many parties. Okay, number one, drum roll. Chicken of all types. Fried chicken, baked chicken, um, chicken parmesan. <laughs> Whatever other kind of chickens there are. Chicken wings. Oh, my God. I ate so many chicken wings. My local grocery store has chicken wings of all types in their deli. And even though they mark the prices up like madmen, I still buy them and mix them with some jasmine rice from the minute rice section. And boom, you got yourself chicken and rice. And if you put it on a plate, put it together, you, you could fool yourself into thinking you got it from a restaurant but really it just came from your local grocery store and you're just a lazy single man who likes to put stuff in a microwave wow okay this is really getting ridiculous so let's get on to the very last list of top fives for the night and end on a serious note this is the top five lessons that i'd pass down to my younger self so Number five is don't try to change people because you can't. No matter how hard you try or how hard you want someone to change, they have to do it themselves and um, or they just won't. And you have to accept that if you want to still have that person be a part of your life and you think they're important to you. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, you probably won't change in your personality about yourself that people wish you would, but it's just, that's who we are as people. And, um, you know, that's what friendship and love is all about. You accept each other for the flaws and the personality quirks. And, um, you could push people by motivating them and inspiring them and supporting them. But, you know, 
some people are just going to be who they are. And uh, you just have to accept that if you want them in your life, kid. All right, number four, it's okay to feel sad. Um, so sad things happen sometimes, and uh, you shouldn't push your feelings down and bottle them up because that could do some irreparable damage later on. And uh, it's life isn't all highs. You're not, you know, I know it's like, Sometimes you think you need to be feeling good all the time, but uh, shitty things happen, and it's good to work through your feelings. Number three, fuck what people think, because you're going to want to try a lot of different things in this life, and um, it might be a little scary or embarrassing at some points, and you're going to stumble, and you might look like a fool, but... <laughs> It, the people that are judging and laughing at you don't matter at all. Really, they're mostly probably just jealous that you had the balls to try it and they haven't even left the gate, the starting gate. So well, either that or they're just, they have some hang-ups and, you know, you should feel for them and maybe give them a hug if they'll accept a hug. <laughs> um... Number two, dreams and passions outweigh nearly everything. So if you got a dream, and I know you do, kid, and you got passion, you could go pretty fucking far in life. So, and people, you could be a spark and inspire other people with that. And you don't even know who's watching and who's being inspired by that and what kind of lives you can change with passion and dreams number one it's gonna be a bumpy ride so hang tight and never quit you might find that uh, you get pressured into uh, getting into some bad habits and you'll be going down a rough road but uh, and life is gonna throw a lot of other shit at you but uh, just hang tight because it does get better and um, if you just keep going you'll see that this shit pays off. Yeah. All the shit you're working for will pay off, kid. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to 32 because it's been a really fun ride so far. It hasn't always been easy, but I've learned a lot about myself and I've gained a lot of insight, gained a lot of cool friends gotten to know a lot of great people, uh, gotten to have a lot of cool experiences and I just can't wait to see what the future has in store. So, okay. <laughs> Media pod smash off. Have you recently lost a loved one and want to hold on to their memory forever? Would you like all of the world to be able to view what their life had been about? Seasons of Life Memorials is what you are looking for. We create individual and unique documentary shorts that will allow anyone visiting the gravesite to view the documentary and your memories of the loved one. Contact us today to set up an appointment at seasonsoflifememorials.com.